Hello, my name is Mallory Harding, and this is the New Moon Opera Podcast. New Moon Opera is a Chicago-based, nonprofit opera company dedicated to presenting fun and accessible performances of opera and other vocal music to Chicago-area communities. The NMO Podcast is a part of our mission to help people learn about opera and get more out of each live performance. Thanks so much for listening. This week on the podcast... We're going to be talking about the two different opera traditions that the two operas on our upcoming double bill came from. But first, let me remind you about our upcoming production. April 5th through 7th, New Moon Opera will be performing a double bill of Il Campanello by Gaetano Donizetti and Gianni Schicchi by Giacomo Puccini. The performances will take place at Ebenezer Lutheran Church's auditorium space on Foster Avenue in Chicago. You can get tickets at newmoonopera.org and at the door, but they are also a little bit more expensive at the door, just so you know. I'll drop a link to our website and the direct link to the Eventbrite page in the show notes, so look for it there. If you haven't listened to the last couple of episodes of the podcast and you want to learn more about the two operas that we'll be performing, be sure to go back and listen to the previous two episodes of the podcast or check out our blog. Now, on to the opera traditions I mentioned. The first opera on our double bill program is Il Campanello, which is the older of the two operas. Campanello is from the opera tradition called bel canto. You might have heard that term before, and it can be a little bit confusing because it applies to a few different things. Bel canto literally means beautiful singing in Italian, and it can refer to a sort of singing technique that most modern opera singers really use today. Bel canto is also a book by Anne Patchett, and it was turned into an opera and produced by the Chicago Lyric Opera a couple years ago. It was really good. But today I'm talking about bel canto as it refers to the operas of Bellini, Rossini, and Donizetti. Some bel canto operas you might already be familiar with are Rossini's Barber of Seville or Elixir of Love by Donizetti. Bel canto operas use the formula of aria and recitative. This means that it feels a lot like a musical in that there's dialogue and then a song and then dialogue and then a song, except in bel canto opera, the dialogue is sung. Like we talked about in the the last episode of the podcast, recitative has much more words than arias do, and the accompaniment is much more sparse usually. The words aren't set in a super tuneful way, and there's not a lot of repetition like like there are there is repetition in arias. Uh, a lot of the arias or duets or even ensemble pieces follow another formula. First a slow legato section and then a second faster more florid section. The slower section is called the cavatina and the fast section is called the cavaletta. You'll definitely hear this in a lot of the set pieces in Il Campanello. Another specific type of aria that happens a lot in comic operas is called a patter aria. You might have heard of this type of aria in Gilbert and Sullivan operettas as well, like I am the very model of a modern major general (laughs) from the Pirates of Penzance. Don Anibale in Il Campanello sings a lot of patter, and Enrico, his rival, sings a bit of patter as well. 
In contrast, Johnny Skiki comes out of the Verismo tradition. Again, there are a few different uses of the term Verismo, but in this case, I'm just talking about an opera style characterized by the operas of some specific composers such as Puccini, Mascagni, Leon Cavallo, and Chilea. Verismo means realism, and in this case, it doesn't necessarily mean that the operas have realistic stories. Of course not, this is opera after all. Rather, these operas feature the more gritty side of life. Sometimes they feature crime, lust, greed, or murder. In contrast, almost all operas before the Verismo tradition featured either historical figures, um, historical royalty, gods and goddesses, or characters from literature. The only time regular people seem to appear in most operas before the Verismo era is in comic opera. The composer Giuseppe Verdi may have been the inspiration for the switch to portraying sort of more average people in opera with his opera La Traviata, which means The Fallen Woman. It's based on a novel which was turned into a play, and it's basically about a courtesan um, who, although she's like pretty high-class lady, uh, she's a little bit more regular than, say, like, the god Zeus or something. <clears throat> so it seemed like that was pretty popular, and then the Verismo tradition started after Verdi. Some Verismo operas you might be familiar with are La Boheme by Puccini and I Pagliacci by Leon Cavallo. Verismo opera sounds quite a bit different from bel canto opera. One of the main reasons, or one of the main differences, is that while bel canto music has a lot of predictable formulas to the music, Verismo opera is more through-composed. This means you won't hear a lot of recitative separate from an aria. In fact, Verismo composers don't really divide their music up into different songs, I'm using quotation marks there, although there are definitely excerptable pieces that singers use as arias, sort of like that famous aria, O mio babino caro. Um, rather, in Verismo opera, the music all connects together. Usually one act is over and another begins in a new setting. So that's like kind of the only time that there would be sort of a break. Whereas like you'll hear in Bel Canto, um, and specifically in Il Campanello, you know, there's a song and then there's sort of a stop and then people do recitative where it's sort of like the dialogue and then you'll hear another song start up again. Johnny Skiki and most Verismo opera really is not like that at all. It just, it's sort of like a movie. It just goes on and on and on and on. Um, so anyway, Verismo opera singing is also a bit more declamatory in style and includes some extended vocal techniques like shouts, shrieks, sobs, and laughter. You will definitely hear shouting, shrieking, sobbing, and laughter in Johnny Skiki. One big contrast about Johnny Skiki from the rest of the Verismo canon is that is it is a comic opera. It still deals with themes of greed and crime though, don't worry. Now, time for a break, and when we come back, we'll hear from one of the artists starring in our upcoming double bill. So today I have Dorian McCoy. 
Johnny's Kiki. Thanks for being here today, Dorian. How are you? Of course. I am well. How are you? Pretty good. I'm excited for our last dress rehearsal tonight. Yes, thank God. Can we put <laughs> some people in the seats, please? I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, can you tell us a bit about the roles that you're that you'll be playing uh, this weekend? Okay, so first, I am the titular character. I'm not in the title. I'm uh, Donna Nibale, uh, one of the apothecaries in the area, kind of trusted, all-around good guy, finally getting married, so excited, and so tormented by my <laughs> rival. May he rest in pieces if I <laughs> get my way. But uh, he's a great guy just running around, just trying to, you know, do the do, as you should do on the night of your wedding. But, <laughs> you know, circumstances prevent him. And it's fine. I'm not angry or bitter at all. And then as Simone, just old, old crotchety patriarch, always passed over by my lovely um, scene partner on the interview with me today, always passed over for seat a la vecchia i can throw, <laughs> stand in the background as she's arguing with johnny Skicky. i'm like they do this every time they get in the same room i don't know why he thought it was an intelligent idea to call him to help us when she is here but it's fine but i can <laughs> kind of just get to sit back and watch and you know kind of give my ideas and be very almost narcoleptic which is fine because i'm old i've done my work <laughs> you young people do all this i i, I don't know what the youth be doing <laughs> yeah there's something kind of interesting about um the the characters that you and i are playing so in so in johnny's kiki the second of the two operas yes. um you're simone i'm tita yes. and in the opera it explicitly says um that we're the we're the oldest two obviously and we're yes. cousins we are the cousins of Bozo, but it doesn't exactly say how you and I are related. Right. So you came up with the idea that we're actually twins. Yes. Which makes it really fun when I say, okay, well, what do you say, Simone? You're the oldest because... Oldest by a strong two minutes. Yes. So <laughs> That's all I need to just be the old. I am the eldest by just that much, and I lord it over everyone because why not? <laughs> so that's kind of like a fun little backstory that we just made up about it. So people that are coming to see it this weekend, maybe you can notice that little tidbit. <laughs> right, and you'll see a lot of us is mirrored as far as costuming and mannerisms and just the way that we're playing off of each other off of each other a lot of the time. I don't say we have a literal twin moment, which is probably something I will try to throw in tonight at tonight's <laughs> rehearsal, but it's, it's a very strong, you know, just subtext to keep us motivated for, you know, the 60 minutes that we're running around causing havoc. Yeah, because we're on stage the entire time, which All is times. sort of different Follow than a lot of options. Yes. <laughs> um... So you've mentioned that you've actually played the role of Simone before. Can you tell us about that experience? That was actually my very first, very first operatic role. It was the spring of 20, picture it, Sicily, spring <laughs> 2012 um, at the Lamar University in Beaumont, Texas, where I got my first degree. I was cast as Simone. And I just remember so many hours in a practice room because I just, I, I was only a sophomore at the time 
and everyone else was upperclassmen. And like I had been watching these people for the last three semesters. I knew that they were good. I've been listening to them sing. I was just automatically in awe and I just did not want to be the weakest link. So I was always in a practice room, plucking notes, trying to figure out these random ass harmonies. And I just, <laughs> I had never done anything as difficult as Puccini before. And anyone who has done any singing at all, you must give respect to the family. The family's role as an ensemble is basically a 60 minute aria. Yes, <laughs> Kiki has this thing. Everybody knows Omiya Babino. Fine, whatever. I guess Renucho also has a thing. Fine. But the family is out here singing from the downbeat to the double bar line. And sometimes Puccini is real kind and nice, and but the vast majority of the time he is like, nope, figure it out. <laughs> this is fine. That's so true. Yeah, and like, um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Never mind. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I'm just glad to Oh, I was... Go. What I was going to say was, I can tell that you learned the role... So, like, you must have, I can hear those hours in the practice room for Simone, because ever since the first rehearsal, you've always been the one who is, like, always keeping us on track and singing someone's part if they're missing. So that's been really valuable for us, too. I was just like, I, I always have a lot of empathy for anyone learning the family for the first time. And I always <laughs> try to make sure that I'm never coming from a pompous or arrogance. It's just like, this is where it is. It's hard. Count this way, it'll help you. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, talk about the role, your other role in the double bill, Don Anibale. Have you ever played a character like him before? I do not believe that I have. I don't often get to play love interest, and I have yet to be tormented by another castmate as of yet that I can remember. <laughs> so I'm going to say no. <laughs> oh, no, that. that's a lie. I did Patience. Uh, Gilbert and Sullivan's Patience. Uh, oh, yeah. Two and a half years ago with the Cimarron Opera in uh, Norman, Oklahoma, the city where I got my uh, grad degree from, which I, as a person of color, really don't like to talk about because there's a whole bunch of stuff going on there, but I digress. Uh, <laughs> I do it there. So, Bunthorn, um, Reginald Bunthorn is like, actually, I don't know, Grovener's Archibald Grovener. That, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> supposed to be this movement that happened in England as far as what was the aesthetic and what was, you know, properly acceptable and, you know, I was, you know, head in charge and everyone loved me and it was great and then he came being all simpler and uh, pastoral and whatever, and he stole all of my thunder, and I've been bitter about it ever. So, yes, I lied. That <laughs> is a role that is kind of like this, and probably because Gilbert and Sullivan also patter. So, yes, I have. I changed my mind. <laughs> so, do you like singing patter arias? Thank you. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> patter is definitely an acquired taste. It's something that I... If I know it's going to be in Italian and I have some inkling about the, who the composer is and it is leaning toward bel canto, I immediately start scouring the score for like the text that I'm going to have to say over and 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 over because you have to start patter slow just to get all the consonants and vowels in your mouth is over and over and speeding up and playing with the tempos all the time. And so I have a 
I have a healthy relationship with Patter. I don't think anything is wrong between us at all. Everything is fine. <laughs> I felt like, uh, I mean, I don't sing Patter like ever, mm-hmm. and I felt sort of like some of the some of the families, um, like triplets especially in Skiki. Tickada, 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 tickada. Yep. Yeah, it's it's really hard. It's really hard. I have sympathy for you. It's like we're coming in like from that page turn. We're in a new tonality. We're going into a big argument scene, and the whole point is to cause confusion. It's like one of like it's basically one of. Rossini's O Mozart's like act two finales where everybody's yes. trying to get their point in and everybody has a different text of like da, 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 da. and so how do you do something like that? You make it rhythmically interesting with text. <laughs> and Puccini just makes the notes hard to find as well as yes. the rhythm. Yes. Like I can like it's great that we have it with piano and the piano is on the same level as us, but it's definitely an experience when you get to do it with actual strings and orchestra yeah. like I got to do in grad school. That was, oh, again, I was glad I had already done the family things, but I was actually singing Skiki instead. So that didn't help me as much. <laughs> but it was, it's, it's definitely a different thing to try to be as musical as possible when you can only hear the stray wind every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, what other roles have you done lately? So I suffer, well, (laughs) acknowledging my privilege as a male in a city that needs male singers, I have had a lot to do, but I also have a problem with saying no. So at one time, it was actually this February, I was rehearsing for four different operas simultaneously, which includes the two that we hear today. Um, I did the Earl of Essex and Gilbert and Sullivan's... um, well, Gilbert and Sullivan Company of Chicago's hood and Germans production of Merry England. That's right. a lot of words. Uh, <laughs> so that went up in March, and that was a great time. I was so excited to do that. That really sparked a artistic light in me that I didn't know had gone out. That was really exciting. But then also I was learning Ducamara in uh, Donna Sede's Elixir d'Amore. Elixir d'Amore. Let me say it correctly. Um, and I think I was doing some other... That's the most important thing. So I was doing all of that. And so it was so important that I picked up the Ducamara and that I stepped into this role as Donna Nibale. And even I was able to pick up some things with Gilbert and Sullivan because, you know, the English is infamous for Patter as well. Yes. Because I'll actually get to be performing with Teatro Nuovo this summer in Syracuse, New York, which is supposed to be the new Caramore, which is exciting because their first season was last summer and Opera News was there. My role is only two pages long, but I hope they are paying attention and write something about me because please pay attention to me. <laughs> but I'll I don't think they're going to... Hmm? Oh, sorry, I was going to say, I don't think they're going to be able to miss you. <laughs> I, you know, one can only hope. You know, it's going to be my luck. My, I'm going to be singing in the back corner of the stage, singing into a curtain out to fire exit. No one is going to be able to hear me because it's like some offstage cameo with my luck. But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Like, having come from next to no bel canto at all, this has been a really great experience of trying to blend the two. Because, you know, a lot of particularly lower male voices, kind of like older gentlemen, which is fine. And it, it's 
it's an aesthetic that I am seeking to shift one role at a time. It's kind of just barky and syllables, and it's kind of just there, and, like, more emphasis is on the comedy instead of the singing, which is fine, and it probably works, but I never was particularly comfortable with that. So as a young professional, I'm trying to see how I can put the bel canto back in patter or how mm -hmm. I can actually also sing beautifully into some of these buffo patter roles. How can I do both? And so this has been a great opportunity to do that <laughs> as well. As an audience member, I would always much rather hear... Yeah, I don't really, I mean, it's impressive when someone can do the patter really fast and they're really funny. That's amazing. But I'd much rather hear beautiful singing in addition to that rather like, than just the barky like you're saying. It's like, well, maybe just finding a good blend of the two. I mean, because, yeah. of course, you want to have as many, like, tools in the toolbox as you can in order to create something for an audience that's worth watching and listening to. So you don't ever want to throw something completely out. But it's like, also, do you know what a line is? <laughs> have any legato in you at all how right. about the files? can you sing some of those <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually much easier to sing all those words with a good legato line going through it rather yeah. than just trying to bark out every individual syllable that doesn't really work exactly um well i'm excited to hear your patter this weekend <laughs> <laughs> everything is fine <laughs> So um, tell us a little bit more about where you're from and why you moved to Chicago recently. Okay, so born and raised in Houston, Texas, Gulf Coast. That is that is me. Mosquitoes and heat and humidity. Uh, that's me. Um, got my first degree at Lamar. Oh, the vast majority of what I'm about to say is regurgitated from the New Moon Opera post on Facebook. So you <laughs> might skip ahead 60 seconds if you feel like it. It's fine. Um, but I went to... Uh, Lamar University in Beaumont, Texas, hour and a half east of Houston, and I got my first degree in uh, music education, so I'm actually certified to teach. The whole thing was I wanted to perform, but I also wanted to be able to teach. It was a weird balancing act because of Southern sensibilities and how are you going to pay for yourself and you need to have a job and you can't come stay with me and blah, 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 blah. So it was weird, but it's fine. I got my degree. I still performed because I was the lowest voice in the department. So surprise. Hey, I need you to sing this. Hey, I need you to sing this. Hey, learn this. Hey, you're on the sing program. I said, oh, oh, okay. I'm student teaching. You're learning hand of bridge. Do it. I was like, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> So uh, that and I graduated and immediately went into grad work at the University of Oklahoma, another institution that won't let me be a proud alum, but I digress. Uh, <laughs> and I got to work with great teacher, an actual orchestra for the first time. We actually had an opera house on campus. So like 600 seats and an orchestra program. So I actually got to test whether or not I could actually real life be heard or for an orchestra, which <laughs> as a young singer, you get subconscious about really quickly and for a long time. Yeah. Uh, in operatic performance and got to do a lot of great things there. Tried to, you know, even branch out and do a little musical theater now that I actually knew what I was doing with my voice. <laughs> because lower male voice doesn't really have a place in musical theater. But that's another conversation, not for right now. And so I moved here because I've been bullshitting about learning German. So Europe is out. And everyone that I know that has moved to New York is miserable because MTA is trash, among other things, and gentrification, which I know gentrification is still here a thing in Chicago, but <laughs> I have, like, a few friends here. I got to sing with Grant Park a couple of summers ago, 
And while I was here for the five or six weeks, I got to meet a lot of people and learn about the storefront scene and the major ensembles that pay their choruses and, you know, how people make lives here and, you know, the subletting gypsy, gypsy is inappropriate, the Romani housing and kind of people (laughs) just sublet things. I was like, okay, I can probably do this. And so I... Uh, the four ensembles that pay, I got three auditions and one contract. So I said, okay, fine. I can do this. I yeah. just moved everything back home to Houston. And then while I was out doing Figaro, someone else called me and said, hey, even though we didn't want you, we want you now. So what do you want to do? I said, I will check my schedule. I will be there. <laughs> and so I all of a sudden had to find somewhere to live, accidentally signed a lease because the landlord checked my credit. And then I was like, well, shifted all of my things for the rest of that summer for like three or four days. So I had time to do everything that I needed to do for professional development, finish my gigs, get home to Houston, put everything back in my car, drive up to Chicago. I landed here at five o'clock. My first rehearsal was at seven. Monday, August 20th, the Shostakovich Bobby Yard with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra Chorus. It was an experience, but I'm here now, and I just got certified to teach in this state, and so you're stuck with me. Enjoy. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. I'm, and I met you at um, a CVAC uh, performance class. Right. And I was so glad I heard you, and I was like, oh, my gosh, we need this guy in our, in our group. I was like, I am here to do any and everything because no one knows I exist. I have to start building a reputation. And I was like, I'm here because it was time to make recordings, as it usually is in July, August, and September. I said, well, let me just go up here real quick. I don't know what a CVAC is, but they have a pianist and I don't, so here I go. And so I'm just, you know, blazing through these arias. Some of them were brand damn new. I'm like, this is fine. And he just walked up to me and was like, so, hey, here's my card. Don't be a stranger. I was like, oh, okay, shit. Oh. <laughs> okay, Chicago. <laughs> you know, kind of a great relationship ever since. I'm glad I've had the opportunity to meet so many more of my colleagues working in the area, to be working with the admin staff here at New Moon Opera. It's been a great opportunity. I'm really, really grateful. We're really grateful you're singing with us, so it's been yeah. really fun. Yay. <laughs> So, uh, one more question. Why should people come see our double bill this weekend? Because my black ass. (laughs) Point blank, period. Come see me. (laughs) And I say this, and I already have half of my foot in my mouth because I'm going to say this because anytime I get very, uh, and you see this happens most times, anytime you get really confident about something, that's when everything bursts into flame. So, you should come (laughs) see me, and you should see how I put out all of the fires that I'm going to set myself. You should just great cast great admin great artistic leadership um i uh like i said earlier i lit a spark with gilbert and sullivan and the spark kind of grew as we got deeper into il campanella rehearsals like skiki is always going to have a warm place in my heart and the things that we've kind of uh stitched together in order to make that great is going to be phenomenal and just i physical comedy physical physical comedy (laughs) (laughs) timing and spite and just insanity you ought to come because do it you ought to come because do it yes. i agree <laughs> well dorian thank you so much um i guess i'll see you tonight yes you will indeed for the rehearsal, <laughs> the final rehearsal
the rehearsal of Doom before the opening night of glory. Yes. <laughs> yes, you <laughs> Thank All you. right, see you have- tonight. I'm glad to have done it. I'll see you tonight. Thank you. Bye. Bye.